You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 111 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, brought to you by our very generous and sexy Patreon subscribers, as well as the equally sexy GameMat.eu. See, that's exactly what I would sound like when my balls finally drop. I'm uh, 35 years old, my balls have not yet dropped, and uh, I still have like a little girl voice. (laughs) Anyway, I'm in a weird mood, so... Okay, what are we talking about? We are talking about... Hey, who's going to win this thing? In 40k, we're talking about the end times 40k... Who's the ultimate winner? And I gotta be honest with you, it may not be who you think. Because there's some twists and turns in this logic uh, game that we play, and it is definitely a little surprising, I feel like. And, uh, you, you know, doctors don't want you to know this this one weird trick we found to trim body fat and, and whatever. So we also have a test rack mailbox from um, JaxX. And I feel, every time I say that, I feel like that name is like some sort of euphemism, Jax, X, but like the S and the X, I don't know, it's kind of like, um, what's that artist, uh, Charlie XCX, XCS, and uh, it's like Charlie XCX, something like that, anyway, sounds like you're spelling out sex in some way. Uh, he writes, and he writes in and says that he had... Some friends actually fist fight over Warhammer. And he asks me to rec- recall any times that I saw or participated in a Warhammer fist fight. And I tell him that uh, I, well, just, you just listen to the segment. Why, why am I going to, what is the purpose of having a segment if I just go ahead and tell you it right up front? You know, what's the point of that? So uh, you're going to just listen to that segment and you're going to like it. How about that? Finally. We also talk about the Manufactorum Verticus, and that's a new terrain set from GW, and what we think of that. It comes with a mat, comes with some terrain, and is it a want that? Is it a want that not? I don't know, uh, but before you pull out your wallet, you might want to hear what I have to say about it. Could be good, could be bad, I don't know. On the hobby front, I have started a dream project for Age of Sigmar, uh, my friend and supporter of the show, Leroy, gave me a Star Drake, a Celestant on Star Drake for my birthday, and to, uh, as appreciation for all the articles I've written, all that for free on Bell of Lost Souls, etc., and um, all the work on the podcast and, and whatnot. So I was completely blown away to be given a Star Drake, because a Star Drake for Age of Sigmar is one of my all-time favorite it's one of those i guess bucket list models you know it's like the very biggest stormcast model they even make and i've always wanted one and i always felt guilty about getting one so i never got one and and i love my stormcast i truly do i'm like essentially the only one in our group that even plays stormcast and uh i've always been i mean some guy came to shorehammer one year with a star drake and i'm ogling it and i tried to steal it he tackled me it was it was a mess but the point is, is that I've always wanted a Star Drake, and my buddy Leroy got me one. So I greatly appreciate that, Leroy. Uh, and next time I see you, we'll have to do something sexual. But the point is, uh, I hope that's not incriminating ev- evidence. The point is, I've started that. And I gotta tell you, I should probably make this a review of the model. Do you remember I talked about how the... Uh, oh, come on. What's the Dreadnought? The new... Re- the the redemptor redemptor dreadnought for space Marines. the new redemptor dreadnought was an absolute nightmare to put together because it was so many stupid freaking pieces that didn't come together and they didn't whatever and you know you had to articulate every stupid thing that easily could have been cast as one piece and i hated it and i said I'd never build another one well the star drake is not one of those models i gotta tell you i was shocked how awesome this model comes together I mean, I had no expectations either way about it, like it was going to be easy or hard to put together, but this thing is a marvel of ingenuity for GW, and I love the model to begin with, but putting it together, sometimes I would be putting something together, let's say the left side and the right side of the neck of this Star Drake, and the spines are a third piece, so you glue the left side and the right side together, and there's this big gap in the middle, and then you glue the scales in the middle, 
And a couple times, things like that is what you'd put together. And I glue the first two pieces together, and the third piece, I'm like, oh man, this is not going to fit. I've had models do this crap before. It's not going to pop right in, or it's whatever. The hole's going to be slightly too small, or whatever. And I swear to God, several different times while making this piece, the pieces fit together so beautifully that it was almost snap fit. I'm not lying to you. Those scales on the back of that neck of that dragon and several other times during the model making process, I would put a piece in and it would snap together in because I always dry fit my pieces before I glue them just to make sure that, you know, I lined everything up right. And I snapped it in the neck and I almost couldn't get it back out. I almost didn't even have to glue it in because it fit so beautifully. And so many different times did that happen making this model. It was... I gotta give them serious props for the Star Drake model. Absolutely gorgeous. So, thank you so much, Leroy, for the Star Drake. I'm completely blown away. It is just amazing of you. Super, super awesome. So, I'm gonna have to name it after him, like, uh, Leroynicus or something. <laughs> Celestine Leroynicus. Uh, so anyway, that's what I have been up to, and I am so excited about it. I just got, I finished some, uh, uh assembling it. I just got it primed. And I got to get painting on this sucker because I'm so excited. So, uh, having said that, that has also revitalized my interest in all of my Stormcasts. Because I haven't played them for a while. I went on a Beast of... Uh, beast... Uh, can't even think. Beast a beast of Chaos kick for a while. I went on a Caradron kick for a while. I did some different things. But Stormcast now is burning in my heart and my loins and my bladder. And I am very excited about it. So... I, uh, I had a bunch of evocators on Dracolines, the ones that I talked about. I fought my buddy Beastman a while ago, like this summer, and um, I rolled like absolutely horrible for her because it should have been like this really awesome charge and I just whiffed everything. Well, those Dracolines are still unpainted. So now that the Star Drake, I would get, you know, tired of assembling the Star Drake and then I would prime some evocators and then I'd finish the Star Drake and then I'd prime some more evocators. And then I primed the Storm Drake, and now, then, uh, while that was drying, I started painting some evocators, and now I'm getting ready to start painting the Star Drake. But, um, it's funny how a new model can just get you excited for the entire army again. So, I'll be playing my buddy Bobby this Friday, and, uh, he is playing Sylvaneth, and I'll be playing my Stormcast. So, I'm really, really hoping to get the Star Drake done, uh, in the next week. And, uh, then I get to play it and put it on the tabletop. I'm telling you... It's a lifelong dream for this model. So, uh, this is awesome. Um, what else have I been up to? Well, I had a, uh, I had a pretty rough game last week at the club. And, um, the reason for it is that I was playing against a new player. He doesn't entirely know the rules. Like, he's been playing for several months, but he doesn't entirely know the rules. Or at least he doesn't normally entirely know the rules. So, we play a thousand point game because that's about all he had assembled. So I bring 800 points to the thousand point game and I decide, oh, well, you know, I can, I'll be able to try a little harder because he doesn't really know what he's doing and, and we can still have a good game. I get, I get to try rather than not try. And he, you know, has a chance of winning. I got to tell you, he tabled me by turn three. And you know why? Do you know why? He played Space Wolves and this is actually what spurred this article from this last week is that he played Space Wolves, and the number of buffs his Space Wolves got from the different doctrines and from the different, um, just, just various things, I gotta tell you, not only did I roll pretty garbage, I rolled pretty, pretty bad, but, um, it's been happening a lot for some reason, just rolling utter garbage, but, um, he, he did, he charged, he had 10 Wolfen with Thunder Hammers, which is, uh, part of the issue is that, you know, normally he doesn't bring really aggressive stuff because he's not really that type of player, but he brought a freaking disgusting list and he brought 10 Wolfen with Thunderhammers and Storm Shields and he charged me. So he hits on threes, right? Well, the Space Wolves make you hit on twos when you charge and uh, the Thunderhammers minus one. So he's hitting on regular three up. Then because he charged... He gets an extra attack, right? Then, because of his doctrine, he got an extra AP on his Thunder Hammers, making them AP 4. And every 6 to hit was 
two hits. So each one of these, each one of these Wolfen are getting like four attacks a piece, and they're hitting on threes instead of fours, and they're an extra AP, and they're an extra attack. And oh my, he did. I'm not lying to you because it was minus four because of his doctrine. He assaulted my Lehman Ross, and he did sixty six, not six d six. Six, and then another six. Tens place, ones place. 66 unsaved damage in one charge from his Thunderwolf Cavalry. Because they're straight three damage each. 66 wounds. You knew my Lehman Russ has like 12 or 14 hit points. 66. Just freaking nuts. He could have killed five Lehman Russes in that one charge with 10, with 10 Wolfen. And this article this week was essentially, I I wasn't trying to whine, but good God, like it was the same complaint I used to have about, um, Death Guard. And right now no one in our group really plays Death Guard right now. So that's good. But Death Guard is like, GW is like, oh, oh, you, you, you like feel no pain. Well, here's some feel no pain in your feel no pain because everything with Death Guard is like, they chose just one thing. Hey, you're disgustingly resilient. Cool. Well, here's a plus one to that. Oh, here's a reroll to that. Oh, here's a whatever to that. Like, just, they just chose one thing and made it a one-trick pony. Well, the Space Marines are something like that, where they just get everything. Oh, Tal can Overwatch, so can Ultramarines. Like, are you, are you freaking serious? So, uh, I was not, he wiped me off turn three. I was trying to be nice, trying to be a friendly game. I even took fewer points and whatever. I didn't kit my list, my, uh, tailor my list against him. Nothing like that. And this kid wiped me off the table. And it wasn't like his, oh, divine strategy or anything like that. He just had a shit ton of three-up saves. I fired in one turn, right? He had ten Wolfen. And I'm not lying. This was just remarkable rolling on his part. Um, in one turn, I had a ten-man squad of guardsmen shoot at him. This one squad of Wolfen. I had a ten-man squad of guardsmen shoot at them. I had another ten-man squad of guardsmen shoot at them. I had an entire Tempester squad with the first rank fire, second rank fire shoot at him, and with several plasma guns in that group, and I had a Tempester Prime shoot at him, and I had a freaking Lehman Russ fire everything into these Wolfen, and do you know how much damage he took from two Guardsmen squads, a Tempester Scion squad, a Tempester Prime, and a Lehman Russ? He took two damage, because he's got a three-up save and a five-up feel no pain, and he did that over and over and over. At one point, I was like, and I remember this distinctly. I said, you've got seven three-ups to make. And he rolls seven three-ups. I'm like, oh, cool. Another time, I say, oh, I wounded you eight times. And he makes eight three-ups. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I guess I just, I guess I'm dead. <laughs> And I was. That actually came to to fruition. So anyway, that's enough of my complaining. Uh, did not enjoy that game whatsoever. So hopefully my game with Bobby and my Stormcast will uh, uh, cheer me up. Because I totally don't care about losing, but good God, just, just being completely creamed by the Space Marines, you know, profiting off of GW's love, I feel, ugh, gave me gave me shivers. Alright, let's get on with this show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey guys, this week on Real Talk with the Pimpcron, I have a letter from Jax X. And that's a weird, it's J-A-X-E-X, Jax X. And uh, Jax X writes in at pimpcron at gmail.com. You can also write in at facebook.com slash pimpcron. Or, of course, leave a voicemail, which nobody ever does. Oh, my God. Anyway, Jax X writes, Hey, dude, this is a fun podcast. I started listening on episode 99, and I have been doing binges of the old episodes. So I figured I'd write in and ask you slash tell you about this topic in Warhammer. Ever had someone get in an actual fight over Warhammer? <laughs> I was in college and playing at my friendly local gaming store with two other friends, one was a real hothead, but was otherwise a good guy. Okay, for simplicity of this message, I'm going to say Guy A for the listeners. One was a real... Uh, guy A was a real hothead, but was otherwise a good guy. 
My other friend, Guy B, was using his bullshit Eldar psychic nonsense in 6th edition, I think. And my hot-tempered friend A got so mad that he started rolling dice really hard. Hard enough to hit player B's Eldar models. Now, I don't know if this was an accident or not, but it knocked over a few jet bikes and my normally calm friend B freaked the F out. And I literally had to pull them off each other, lol. It's funny now, but it actually ruined their friendship. Anyway, we were in the back room of the shop, and by the time the cashier came in to find out what was happening, I had sorted them out. They were more wrestling than fighting, but still. It's not like they were boxing. You ever seen someone fight over Warhammer? This moment was pretty intense. Jaxx. Well, Jaxx, thank you for writing in. I greatly appreciate it. And, um, honestly, no. I mean, our group is pretty chill. I've never really had anybody that, um, of course, you know, once in a while, tempers reflare a little bit. People get irritated or whatever. But I, and this is, okay, don't take this the, the wrong way. I'm not trying to, I'm not a braggart. I'm not blowing this out of proportion, okay? But the closest I ever got to getting in a fight, and, and we were in no way in a fight. So let me, let me not paint this differently than it was. But the closest I can think of is this was uh, three, four years ago, something like that. And as many of you listeners probably already know, each uh, the morning of every game night at our club, I text everybody in our group. I'm kind of like the unofficial leader of the group for what that's worth. And I text everybody on the group list and I go, hey, you coming to Warhammer tonight? And now just for a second, why do you think I care? why who is coming to warhammer do you think it's because i'm like a a nosy nancy or that i'm i'm like a like a gossiper oh 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 just james guess what guess what fred's coming to warhammer tonight oh shit yeah no i'm not i'm not like that so why would you think me as the organizer of this group would care give a crap at all who is coming it's because i want to make sure everybody gets a game if somebody says hey i'm coming and by the time that we start games, he's not there. I can text him and go, hey, are you still coming? And then he'll be like, oh, I'm five minutes late or whatever. And my goal as the as the game club person, the, the runner of it, is that I want to make sure everyone shows up and gets a game and doesn't waste their time coming to the game store and just go, oh, I didn't get a game, okay, and then leave back home. That's a total waste of their time, and people get the feel-bads. So this one guy, this was years ago, this one guy, I had texted him and said, hey, are you coming? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm coming. I said, cool. Now this, he'd been in our group for months, literally months. So I don't know why he wouldn't put two and two together. But um, I said, you come and he said, yes, that was earlier in the day. So I had a game set up with him. I get to the the um, store usually earlier than the majority of the people. And I, I make the matchups because nobody ever wants to take the initiative to make matchups. So I... Um, started, you know, assigning people players, and I said, look, you guys will be on table one, you guys will be table two, blah, 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 blah. Well, the time comes around for us to start playing Warhammer, and his opponent still has not seen this guy. The guy hasn't shown up. So I text him, and I go, hey, uh, you still on your way? And he's like, oh, I'm gonna be like an hour or two late, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's no big deal. I'm just, um, I'm gonna stop by and pick up some paints. I'm not gonna play now. So at this juncture, everybody had already started their games and his opponent now, including myself, I was already in a game. So at this juncture, his opponent, remember the whole thing I was trying to avoid of people showing up and not getting a game? Well, that whole thing is what happened because this guy that I spoke to said he was coming. I set him up with an opponent. The opponent's waiting this whole time. Now it's after the time that everyone else's game started. And then only when I ask this other guy, the, the guy, what, what I should say, the guy I've been texting, the guy I text and said he's not coming. Um, now, only when I ask does he say, oh, I'm not going to play now. Well, that screws the, his opponent for obvious reasons. I don't think I have to paint this picture any further. So I texted him and I'm sure I was a little smart, but I was like, dude, you got to let me know if you know, you're not going to come because you got someone waiting for you to play a game. So you know, that's, that's the, you know, that's the problem. So he didn't reply. And I'm thinking, 
okay. That's I guess he's whatever. And I was not super rude. Look, I'm a I'm a manager of a business. I have a bunch of employees. I am not a rude person. So I didn't say F you or anything like that, but I, I was very clear in what I said. And um, so about halfway, so what I ended up having to do, I had to quit my game and then play with the opponent of this dude because this guy's opponent didn't have a member or whatever. I had to figure it out and I had to change my plans and start a game late in order to incorporate this guy that should have been playing the guy on the phone. Well, the guy on the phone shows up. And he comes in all like he acted mad and I didn't even pay any attention to him because I'm playing my game. And he comes up real close to me and he goes, hey, I want to talk to you outside. And anybody, anybody that knows me, I'm a very cool headed person. I don't get mad and all that. But if some dipshit comes up to me in front of everybody in the store and says it loud enough for everyone to hear, he stands almost touching my arm and like in, in an intimidating way and goes, I want to talk to you outside. I'm like, <laughs> okay, we're going to go outside and we're going to talk. And not, I'm not trying to act like a, you know, a badass or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not doing that, but there's no way in hell that somebody's going to try to intimidate me into, you know, go outside, whatever. So I said, sure. Okay. Hold on. We're going to stop this game right now. We're going to go outside and talk. And then immediately when I did that, I guess because he saw that I wasn't intimidated, then he goes, oh, uh, well, I mean, you can, you know, you just wait till your turn's over or something. I said, oh, no, 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 you want to go outside and talk, we're going to go outside and talk right now. I'm stopping, I'm putting my dice down now. So we go outside and he's like, why are you being a bitch to me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, uh, well, you were really rude to me on the phone and um, just because I'm not coming, you know, I don't have to come every week, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, obviously, I don't care if you come every week or not. But my point is, you originally said you were coming, and then so-and-so was waiting for you for your game, and I explained the whole thing. And he had this look on his face like he had no... Up until that moment, he did not realize why I asked him if he was coming every week to play a game. It just didn't... I guess it didn't occur to him. And so then I guess part of it is that he wasn't necessarily mad at me. He was also mad. You know how people, it's like they feel guilty, so it gets kind of twisted into anger. He, I think he probably felt bad as well because of the miscommunication. And then he kind of turned it on me a little bit. And he was, um, he was mad that he inconvenienced something else because this guy that I'm having this little argument with, he's not a bad guy. Like, he's not a... He, we never had any crosswords before or after this. But for some reason, this day, I guess he... This was the day he finally realized why I spend my time to text and arrange this entire group every single week. Is because, oh, it's to set up groups. Okay, I never thought about that before. It's only been like six months I've been with your group, and every single week you ask me if I'm coming, and when I am coming, there's always an opponent waiting for me magically. Oh, I didn't know. Like, come on. So, there we didn't touch each other. We didn't, you know, push or shove or and nothing like that. But that was the closest. And like I said, the minute that I was like, oh, no, we're going out right now. Then he kind of changed his tune. Um, but it made it, I guess he was trying to intimidate me. I, I don't know. But I am not about to have someone come up to me and, and act like they want to. He didn't say he wanted to fight, but it was pretty aggressive. And there's, yeah, I'm not going to deal with that. So anyway, so uh, like I said, I murdered that guy, punched him right in the face, broke his neck, and his children are fatherless. So that is, um, I mean, I don't want to blow too out of proportion, but that guy is dead now. And that is the lesson of this story. You never cross the pimp <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but that was the closest I've ever been or seen anybody to a fight. And like I said, we didn't fight. I'm not trying to make this out differently than it was but uh i just people people are so freaking stupid all the time if i had the leader of a group text me every single week and go hey you come in and i go yeah and when i show up there's a a, a game set up for me who did that was that the warhammer fairy came in and sprinkled pixie dust all over the players and the players magically knew who was gonna play who on what table just whatever so, I'm sorry for this long tirade, uh, uh, Jack Sex. 
I'm very sorry for how long this story took, but you brought up a memory of someone being kind of a jerk when there is no reason to be whatsoever. So, uh, I guess that's it. I'll stop rambling now. Want that or want that not? Hey, you know what time it is? It's time for Want That or Want That Not, and we are covering the Battlezone Manufactorum Vertigus. That's right. Well, this, like many of the terrain sets the Game Workshop has released, is a big old steaming pile of crap. It is... I'm just gonna go... I'm just gonna come out right say it. It is not worth it. Totally a Want That Not. I swear to God... GW blows it every single time they do a train set. Every single time. So this thing's $150. And yeah, there's so many better things you can do with $150 than buy this train set. This train set is hot garbage. Okay, enough, enough with the platitudes, right? It's got scatter terrain. It's got some stupid cardboard mats at their new stupid dimensions of uh, 30 by 22.4 inches, and there's two of them. I, I don't even know where to begin with this. So this is, I feel like I've already done this review before, because wasn't it like a year ago, I did a very similar review for a very similar shitty train set, and, uh, I mean, it didn't, it didn't come with these high-class, stupidly measured boards. I mean, come on now, that's, but, oh god. Okay, so, let's get into the meat potatoes for this thing, okay? Meat and potatoes of this is that for $150, you get two of these odd-sized boards. They're double-sided, but they're cardstock or whatever, and they fold up. La-di-da, okay? If you don't already own a mat, then sure, whatever. If you want to play on cardboard, sure, whatever. Um, even with if Game Mat EU was not a sponsor, I would tell you right now, Game Mat EU mats are 100 billion times better than this cardboard bullshit. Number two, uh, this terrain set is garbage. If it, if it was just for kill teams, only for kill teams, then I would say, sure, whatever. But this is really not marketed as a kill teams terrain set. It comes with the, essentially, four corners to ruins that are one story tall. So you essentially get one whole ruin that's only one story tall. It's got a slight ledge on the top of the first floor. So it's it's extremely arguably two stories tall, but it really is just one story tall. And then you get a bunch of piping, a bunch of piping which I don't know why. I don't even know I don't know why any of this is in this set. Um you get a ton of piping too. I don't know what kind of fetish they have for plumbing. But they have a legitimate plumbing fetish. You get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen pieces of pipes. Fourteen pieces of plumbing. And you come with a thing that the plumbing hooks up to, which is some sort of tank. I don't know if like one of their design team used to be a plumber or what, but maybe Mario is in their design team. But they love freaking pipes. And you know, if they would just take, honestly, okay, cards on the table, right? 150 bucks. You give me these two stupid mats and you give me, you melt down all this piping and you give me another full ruin. And so they've got four corners to one ruin. If you gave me another four corners to another ruin, then I would, I would consider this set 150 bucks, two full ruins and the mats even then, it would be a want that not. That's still too much for this. But, and I wonder who buys these. And if you buy these, then I'm sorry to tell you this, but it's it's a bad choice. Um, there are a million other places, a million other websites. <coughs> Game at you. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not. Don't think I'm a corporate shill on this. I'm not. I'm not even BSing you here. This is bogus. A hundred and fifty dollars, and. It's just a bunch of plumbing, for crying out loud. It's four corners, two ruins, and then there's this tiny cathedral-looking thing, and then there's, like, this tanker thing, which is also very small. And then you get it, uh, what's it called? A, uh, an erector, erector set? An erector set of plumbing. La-dee-da. $150. 
you know, if you want to sell me on this, honestly, uh, you sell. So how low would I, how high would I go for the set? $150 is completely out of the ballpark, would not touch the set. A hundred bucks would be expensive, but, eh, you know, I guess a hundred bucks, you get some mats, which I don't care about. And, um, eh, really, honestly, a hundred bucks is too much for this. If they did it for a hundred bucks, I would be more on the fence about the fence about the want that, but I would still ultimately say want that not. But if you said seventy-five bucks for the set, I would say boom, I'm on it. One hundred seventy-five bucks, sure. But honestly, the problem here is that what are you actually getting? There's no point in buying a terrain set if you're really not getting anything out of it. And all this plumbing is. BS is what it is. I don't see any reason for all this damn plumbing. And this has been like a fetish of theirs for a long time. Ever since the Promethean pipes came out, they were like, uh, oh yeah, plumbing, oh, that's the best thing in the world. A bunch of pipes, you jump in one side and you come out into warp, you warp to world three or whatever. And um, I just totally, totally not on board with this. 150 bucks, complete ripoff. This... I actually think I liked the other set less, but this set's pretty garbage. They absolutely should have melted down those pipes and made more ruins. If you made more ruins, boom, I'm here. 150 bucks, sold. But being that they didn't, absolutely don't want this, and I feel like I'm just being super negative, but I, I actually hate it. It is actually offensive to me. Like, this is... This set, I look at it, and I feel like... It has wronged me in some way. I feel like it's indecent. This is an indecent terrain set. Like, if my kids walked in right now while I'm recording, I would cover up the screen. Because I'd be like, oh, 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 I don't want you to see this. Because this is an obscene rated R price for what this is. And honestly, the terrain set is so bare, it's practically nudity. That's what I'm saying. So... Don't let your children, if you're scrolling late at night, right, you got your incognito mode on your browser and you're looking up some Manifactorum Vertigus, don't let your kids or wife see you looking this up because it's going to be embarrassing is what it's going to be. Um, so that's... <laughs> Sometimes I tickle myself. Uh, definitely 100% I want that not. They can shove it up their collective rectum. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey kids, it's the Real Talk with the Pentcron show, and it is on. Gather around with your bowls of your sugar bits, and your sheets of stickers, and your handfuls of jelly beans, and let's get entertained, okay? So, I was wondering who might be the faction that finally beats all others in the end of 40k, like the 40k end times sort of thing, the very end of the line of the timeline. The first way I look at it is in the form of a food chain where either due to their abilities or technology, a race could completely beat another if given even footing. Then, after we have people still standing, I'd like to see how they stack up. Ultimately, I'll judge all the races versus the Tyranids' ability to literally drown their enemies in bodies eat those bodies, make more bodies, and repeat. That's the... Because it doesn't matter. Essentially, the Tyranids seem to be the biggest threat. So let's do this little thought experiment and see exactly which race will come out on top. And it, I gotta tell you, it might surprise you. There might even be a uh, friendly god involved. So let's start off with humanity, right? We're the poster boys of the entire game. For all of their zeal and their hymns and their wax buttons of flair, they are physically not capable of conquering the galaxy compared to other races, especially the Tyranids. This technology is not so awesome that they can just pew-pew all their enemies. I'd say we have zero chance compared to the other races, okay? Uh, I'm going to brace myself for accusations of heresy at this point, but I think humans, completely done. Let's move on to Tau. These guys don't stand a chance either, honestly. Their lack of physical prowess certainly doesn't help the fact that even though their tech is pretty good, they wouldn't win the fight. 
their best chance of survival would be to stop researching weapons and find a way out of this galaxy with their technology. Because they're not going to win in a fist fight, certainly. And they're all squishy and crunchy. They're easily eaten. And in a way, I feel like they would they would fare better than the humans because they seem to have better technology than the humans. Or at least their technology is advancing quicker than the humans is. But ultimately, I find that they are a much, much weaker force and they don't even have psychic technology so tau and humans completely dead let's move on to the eldar i don't care how psychically powerful they are their technology won't be handing them the galaxy and their numbers are far too few to do anything about the tyranids i think their best bet would be to just shack up with their leather clad buddies in the webway and wait things out while the galaxy goes to crap it'd be kind of like rooming with your weird cousin you know your goth cousin uh, maybe after the real winners have conquered everything and moved on out of boredom, then the Eldar pop back out of their hidey hole and maybe take back the galaxy. Who knows? I mean, they live a long time and, you know, they might even have some dyed hair or a lip ring or something from being exposed to their strange relatives in the webway. Now, moving on to some, now that we got those out of it, so Eldar, they might hidey hole and then they're going to turtle and then they're going to pop out afterwards. I feel like they could do that. Certainly a one-on-one -on -one fight with the Tyranids, there's no way they can do that. So next up we have is Necrons. These guys are just sleepy heads. They might, and I see might, have the numbers to conquer the galaxy, and they are resilient. I don't really know how Tyranids eat a Necron. Honestly, I don't know that they'd want to eat a Necron. But then again, they do strip um, planets of their resources, and certainly the... Uh, what is it? The flesh metal? Not flesh metal. I'm thinking chaos. What is it? The um, necrodermis, I guess is what it's called. Of course, that metal or whatever the, the necrons and their vehicles are made of, that is a raw resource that could be used, certainly. It's a type of metal, I would assume. So I feel like the Tyranids would have some use for them. It's just not bio-organic, you know. But anyway, there's no way of knowing how many of them are still crypt-flixing and chilling at the moment. Um... And while their technology may be ancient and terrible, I don't see them wiping everything out based on those two factors. I just don't. And you never know how many of them are actually still sleeping, <laughs> you know? Um, I think they'd be more of a nuisance to the winner after everyone else is dead, essentially, because I feel like they're going to keep waking up. And it's already been said before in the lore that Tyranids actively avoid tomb worlds. Now, I don't know why that is. It could be like a defensive mechanism the Necrons have on their actual tomb worlds, or could you be the Tyranids are like, oh man, screw those guys. You know, I'm not a goat. I'm not going to eat a tin can. I don't know what the reason exact is. But I feel like the Necrons probably are just going to be a nuisance. And that's about it. I don't really see them doing much of a dent in the Tyranids. Just because the Tyranids replicate like crazy. And I've never seen a Necron with a dick. So I don't think they replicate at all. Um, the Orcs. Damn. This is a hard one, okay? Their numbers and rate of procreation is only rivaled by the Tyranids, and they don't wander around aimlessly if they're out of synapse range. I feel like those are good factors to make orcs a good contender against the Tyranids. In fact, I guess the orcs just wander around aimlessly looking for something to poke with a stick. And they, don't, they do have decent tech, even though it is a wonder how it all works, but it's their belief that makes it work, whatever, but it is very powerful technology. For those of you who don't know, orcs are a race that spread as spores, and it is pretty much impossible to wipe them out once they've infested a planet. How does a Tyranid eat a spore? I can imagine they would invent some sort of Tyranid-clam hybrid, and uh, it would have these huge feeding tubes and just filter the airs for spores. And uh, for those of you who have never read a Snapple fact, clams are filter feeders. I mean, come on, man, in case you didn't know that. Chaos Demons and Marines. Chaos Demons or Marines. Um, so I think the Chaos Marines are still mortal. So besides being able to hide in the warp like sissies, they have all the frailties of hum humanity. So I basically put them in the same category as humans. And maybe... Well, see, Chaos Demons, on the other hand, are a much better candidate for galaxy winners. Their numbers are pretty much limitless, right? They don't have to even... I mean... Much to Slanesh's chagrin, they don't even have to bone to make new demons, right? So their numbers are pretty much limitless, and they don't really die. They're like 
telemarketers. They can never really be <laughs> they can never really be beaten. They just go to hell and regroup, you know. But here's the problem with our naked, scaly minions, okay, from beyond. They have a hard time getting into our realm, and when they do, they often can't stay for very long. They have to be summoned, and with the more powerful ones being really complicated to summon, it's not just, you know, turning a key or hitting a key fob or saying a password. But they also have to find a warp rift, which is a kind of like tear, like a big old axe wound in the middle of the dimension. And uh, that's basically where our dimension's chocolate gets into their dimension's peanut butter. And they can go through that. They don't necessarily have to be summoned. And if I'm not mistaken, the Maelstrom, or whatever they call it, the big rip across the galaxy, you know, ever since the Primaris stuff, um, I believe that's basically like a warp rift. So I think there's way more demons than there ever have been. And I feel... Like, that gives the demons an advantage compared to even the orcs, which really, I feel like right now, the orcs are the biggest contender against the Tyranids. And that's somewhat up in the air how they would work out. The Eldar are just going to be the janitors mopping up after everyone's dead. And the demons, I really do question how well they could do with the warp rift in the middle of the galaxy. Now, Tyranids presumably... They squirt out babies the fastest and can eat anything. They can't be possessed that I know of by demons. And they don't need to waste time on things like building cities or homes or anything like that. And, I mean, essentially, this is how they deal with, um, I guess you'd call it HR. <laughs> this is how they deal with problems with their employees, right? There's a gaunt, and the gaunt's like, hey, it's uh, kind of cold on this ice planet. Would you mind if I just kind of scythed up some ice into blocks and formed a bit of shelter you know just to and then the hive mind is like no you're fine don't worry about it and the gaunt's like oh yeah well i can't feel my hooves but i guess it's you know supposed to be this way the hive mind says i don't need your attitude right now i'm trying to multitask in like 27 trillion different directions so just start eating stuff and the gaunt is all like all I'm asking for is a little bit of... And then he gets eaten by a Carnifex. And then what happens is he later gets processed into a less sassy gaunt. That's how conversations go. That's the Tyranids HR department. They basically just like, hey, guess what? Shut up or I'm going to eat you. And then they do. So, and also it's it's basically the force power. The the hive mind is like, uh, the gaunt's like, hey, dude, I'm, I'm on fire right now. It really hurts. Like, can you do something about it? Hive mind's like, it waves its tentacle, and it's like, you are not on fire. And the Gaunt's like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I didn't realize I'm not on fire. Okay, cool, I'm, I'm fine. And then eventually he, he dies. Um, it has been said that they might have entered our gal galactic plane because they may have stripped their own galactic plane to the bone, and, I mean, honestly, I'd believe that. So... Now that we've covered all the races, and there's a couple questionable ones, what exactly is the verdict? <sighs> this is complicated. So the way I see it is that Eldar run and hide, humanity and Tau are completely eaten by the Nids, and Necrons don't really do much except bother people. The Demons would be the best contender against the Nids, but as humanity is eaten, what are the Demons powered off of? The Demons are powered off of humanity and Eldar and whatever's um, emotions. And the fewer people that are around, the less emotions there will be. And even though they, we have the Great Rift in the middle of the galaxy just pumping out demon babies, ultimately I think they will begin to weaken because, to my knowledge, I don't really think the gods feed off like orcs. They certainly don't feed off Tau because Tau's are um, warp or psychically void, whatever. And uh, the Eldar is going to be hiding. So... <sighs> They, they would just continue to weaken, basically. And the orcs and the nids would have a bloody, long, drawn-out war for probably eons. But I think eventually nids would win due to their just drowning the orcs in blood. Then drinking that blood and making more babies. So I feel like the reproductive rate, it's a sheer reproductive rate at that point. Um, the tyranids can outbone the orcs, essentially. And, I mean, the orcs would keep reproducing and basically be the worst thing anybody could ever hope for. 
they become a level grinding mechanism for Tyranid biomass. Think about that for a second. That's like finding a boss in a video game and it glitches so the boss doesn't actually die or they die and they come back and then you kill them and they come back and you kill them and they come back and you keep getting experience for killing the boss. That's basically what the orcs are. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet that just keeps reproducing for the Tyranids. And so in the end, the orcs doom the entire universe, if you think about that, because they they keep the Nids supplied with a steady, never-ending stream of biomass. The Nids wouldn't have to kill all orcs. They could actually keep areas of solar systems for orc farming while they clean up the rest of the tidbits of races and move on to other galaxies. They could actually have mushroom farms farming orcs. And the orcs are all like, wow, you know, we're going to fight them. And then you wipe them out and you leave some spores and then they you let them repopulate that planet and then you do it all over again. Like, it seems to me like even the orcs, the orcs will actually end up being like the galaxy's best defense but then then also the demise of the galaxy essentially um but then i had the idea that it would end up theoretically they just keep eating orcs right and they use biomass and dna from the things they eat so eventually orc biomass would be the majority of the tyranid dna right because no matter how many tau and humans and all that they eat they would be eating so much more orc to the point where the carnifexes are like, damn, can I have a steak? I'm sick of eating mushroom every single day. Leading to more and more orc-like tendencies. Could it be that the orcs' wild nature and crazy genes and psychic abilities take over the Tyranid genes and become a super-duper orc race that nobody could ever beat? An orc race that consumes biomass and reproduces with spores and reproduces through the gestation pools and all that the Tyranids do, and they're just wild and freaking crazy. And it's the combination of psychic powers and the hive mind psychic powers. If you think about that, that is fucking nuts, is what that is. Like, I really, I feel like that would spawn, so technically, I mean... (sighs) You, you, it's essentially, they'd be the Orcanids. You, you'd have to... Could the hive mind actually repress all those chaotic or, orc traits? Uh, chaotic orc, orc traits? Wait, wait, why am I stuttering? Chaotic orc traits. Hmm. There is no knowing, I guess. It could lead to the downfall of the Tyranid race. And if that happens, then the Eldar pop out of the warp and find a barren galaxy covered in Nid poop because the Nids all killed themselves because they're mostly orcs now, essentially. I guess they could just live on their craft worlds and they win, I guess. Maybe some Necrons that survived, maybe they also pop out, I don't really know, but essentially I don't think the Tyranids could actually get into the webway. Whereas the Tyranids could arguably eat Necrons. They really can't eat Eldar that are not in this dimension anymore. And... I'm not positive if the Tyranids are actually aware that the webway exists. So I think the Eldar and Dark Eldar are safe. But what about Chaos? I think Zinch is the real winner here out of all of it. I don't know how. But being that he can see the strands of fate and pull them to his whim, I would not be surprised at all if he manipulates things as time progresses. Maybe he's the one responsible for the orc takeover over the Nid genes, or maybe he's responsible for the Nids coming into our galaxy for the first in the first place at all. The question is, is it worth ruling over a barren galaxy? Maybe Zinch locks the door on the webway and the Eldar don't get out. Then the demons could use a couple warp rifts to spill into and take over our realm for good, but without mortals to torture, that doesn't seem like any fun at all. So, and at this point, Zinch should be extremely limited in his ability to do anything, because humanity, which seemed to be the main fuel for the Chaos Gods, they've been dead for a heck of a long time at this juncture. Once the Tyranid, the, the, what I call them, the Orcanids, once the Orcanids burn themselves out or get bored and move on, essentially there is nothing left anywhere in this galaxy, and I guess they just move on. So, or fight amongst themselves and kill themselves. So essentially, I feel like Zinch would see this happen, see that it's gonna happen. And normally, Zinch totally wouldn't give a crap, right? He'd be like, oh, let the world burn, I don't care. But 
because it affects him and it's going to limit his power, I feel like Zinch would prevent this from ever happening. He's going to pull whatever strings that need to be pulled in order to prevent this from ever, ever happening because he ultimately suffers for it. So, I feel like this, even though this is the logical state of things, that the Eldar are kind of like, hey, we hid in the foxhole the whole war, and now everyone else is dead, so we won. Essentially, that is not going to happen, and the Orchanids will hopefully never be a thing, because Zinch will prevent it. He will prevent it from doing whatever it's doing. And, um, so... Come to find out, I feel that Zinch is the savior of the galaxy, essentially. Unless he decides that, you know, dying is in his best interest, which I don't know how that would be. Or he decides that this galaxy isn't worth saving, and he moves on to some other galaxy. Which is kind of a weird lore question, because we always talk about the Milky Way galaxy. We always talk about our galaxy, and the Tyranids came from another galaxy, blah blah blah. Well, it seems to me like if the Tyranids came from another galaxy then there have to be other galaxies, right? There's not just two galaxies. And obviously, before you email me, I know there are other galaxies besides the Milky Way. My point is, in the Warhammer lore, I don't really feel like they ever mention any other galaxies. Kind of like Star Trek lore. Star Trek only focuses on the Milky Way galaxy. That's all they ever talk about. And I often thought that it would be really interesting if, uh, you know, once they explore the entire alpha delta uh beta gamma quadrants for star trek that they actually get teleported to another galaxy completely and um because that's never talked about and the same thing with warhammer so i wonder does zinch exist in these other galaxies i feel like a chaos god would be fueled from all existence and not just be like hey i'm your local chaos god i don't know it just seems to me like uh, humanity can't be the only race they feed off of, and there's got to be other races in other galaxies, and I feel like the warp and all of that is, like, uh, extra-dimensional. It's not just local, like, Zinch is on your corner somewhere, on your street corner. He's should be everywhere. So, ultimately, I think Superman Zinch swoops in when he sees that all of this is going to go to crap, and he saves the day and prevents the Orchanids. That's ultimately my thing. Whether or not he's in other galaxies, who knows, but I figured it was worth bringing up. Anyway, uh, so we should all start worshipping Zinch, is essentially what I'm saying. So, go Zinch! Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast, people! And um, thank you for Game Mat EU for uh, supporting the show, and thank you to all of my wonderfully aroused <laughs> <laughs> Patreon sponsors. And I will talk to you next week.